I share that video because I want to remind all of us as, as believers that in this world that we live in, and in the worlds that the places that you find yourself in in your life, in your jobs, and in your homes, and wherever you go, there are people in our world who are who are ready to express faith in Jesus Christ, who are ready to receive the Lord, to receive forgiveness. And we've been looking the last few weeks at some different people, Noah and Jonah, and how God used them to reach people in the world who we would have considered lost, too far. Today's story, like, like the person on the screen who we just saw, the person in ISIS, who we, we would probably think there's no way that they could be saved. They're too far gone. They're in this darkness, in this place where they can't be saved. We find a person like Rahab in the Old Testament. And she is in amongst the people who have no faith in God, do not care about God, and are known to be very violent and wicked people. And here we, we find another testimony of God's great mercy and grace and how he goes to people who are ready. He knows those in the world who are ready to receive him, to believe in him. Let's look at the story. The story of faith, the faith of Rahab. We read this before, Hebrews chapter 11, 31. It says that by faith, by faith, the prostitute Rahab, a life we would not expect to be considered very positive at all. In fact, at the very low end of being moral. No one would really respect her, even in that situation. They would use her, but not respect her. And even this person, in a very pagan place, where she had never ever heard the word of God, has in her heart faith. She is ready to believe. She already believes, and now we will be expressed. It says, because she welcomed the spies, the spies who came from Israel, as Israel sent spies across the Jordan, ready to take, go into the land of Canaan and take over the land. They sent two spies to Jericho. She is from a place called Jericho. You may remember the story. And she was not killed with those who were disobedient. Just before... The spies go over back in Deuteronomy. God warns, God kind of describes what this land's going to be like where, where they're about to enter. And in Deuteronomy 18, God speaks to them and says this When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving to you, He says, Don't learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations there. So they're going into this land where the nations there are doing things that are detestable to God. These aren't just nice, easy-going people that, that God is sending Israel into to take over. Their sin has come up before the Lord. For many hundreds of years, they, they have been living this way, and God has said, that's enough. That's enough. It's been so wicked, so evil. He says, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their sons or daughters in the fire. This was happening. In Canaan, they were sacrificing their kids in fire to the god Moloch, and who practiced divination or sorcery. They were seeking out divination and sorcery. They were they were seeking out 
who, who they thought were helpers in the universe, but really demons. To interpret omens, engage in witchcraft, or cast spells. Or who is a medium or a spiritist, spiritist or who consults the dead. I mean, this is what these people were doing. And God is warning, say, don't, don't inherit those practices into your, into your nation. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. Because all of these things look not to God for their guidance. They don't look to God for, for their strength and for wisdom and, and knowledge. They look to these fake, false gods. And as we learn in the New Testament, any time someone is um, you know, recognizing an idol or anything, it's really what you're doing is recognizing demons. And, and, and kind of seeking them out. And God won't accept that. He says, anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord because of, the, because of these same detestable practices, the Lord your God will drive out those nations before you. God has had enough. This is not, these are not people who are, like I said, good people. They are wicked, they're violent, they're evil. And they're killing their children. These are people, as in Deuteronomy chapter 9, they trusted in their wall and their own strength. They thought they, they had built this impenetrable wall around them that could not be, could not be broken through or, or climbed over. Moses says to them before they cross the Jordan, now Moses will pass away before they come and Joshua will take over. But Moses said before, he says, you are now about to cross the Jordan to go in and dispossessed nations greater and stronger than you. These nations are, are strong and they are great. It says with large cities that have walls as high as the sky. And the people are strong and they're tall. Anakites. The Old Testament is filled with, with these um, People, stories of those who are considered giants, larger in stature. We see even in, as we get to later on with Goliath. And so as a nation of very strong people, very tall people, who had built very large cities and walls, but they trusted in those. And they sought out these spirits, and they, and they sought out the dead, and they they worshipped other, these, these detestable idols, and they they gave their sons and daughters to death. And he says, you are about to cross over, and this is what you're going to face. But they trust in the walls. But there is one woman. And I love this story because amongst all these people, there is one person in that city that God sees. And God knows that has to be reached. He knows her heart. And these two spies that are going to come into Jericho to spy out the land, not by accident, are going to go to her place. God has this, this great meeting already planned. He's orchestrated this so that she and her, her household, who believe, will be saved. Verse, uh, Joshua chapter 2. Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies. He said, go, look over the land, especially Jericho. 
So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab, and they stayed there. What would Rahab's mind have been like? What would she have been like as a typical person living at that time? What are the people like in our society, in our world, who do not know God anymore? I, you know, I, as I look around Canada and the United States, and wherever you might be coming from, you have, you have your understanding of your culture. I see people who really have no sense of God anymore. Especially those kids, uh, I work in the high school as an educational assistant, and I see the kids, there is no sense of God, no fear of God in their, in their hearts or eyes. They don't even know who Jesus Christ is other than a swear word. And so we live in a very similar culture, maybe not as violent, but maybe not much different, really. Maybe not much different. The New Testament describes a couple ways in which the world is seen to be apart from God. In 1 Peter chapter 1.18, Peter talks about them having the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. An empty way of life. A life that is empty. Kind of meaningless. You know, I think about, about our world, how upset people are about this virus and how it's affected their lives and how all the plans they have are now gone. They can't fulfill what they want to do. Everything's kind of put on hold. But you think about what their life is all about. What they really want to achieve. And where it would really lead to in the end. It's kind of empty. There's not much to it. The Bible describes a life apart from God, apart from Christ, really as empty. There's no end goal. It really is meaningless. It doesn't go anywhere. Not really. There's temporary happinesses, temporary kind of accomplishments, but in the end it's really empty. It doesn't have an eternal value. Colossians chapter 3 verse 7 talks about those in this world having an earthly nature. We are all born with an earthly nature. And in Christ we are, we are born again. We are given a new life. We are a new creation. We have now a, 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 the Spirit of God in us. So we can do, we can please God with our lives. But we are born with an earthly nature. And if it's left to go on its own, this is what's going to result. This is what, what's going to come out of that earthly nature. Colossians 3, 7 says, sexual immorality. Is that our world? Very much so. Impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry, by the way. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. The world is on a collision course with God's wrath. You just have to read through the book of Revelation and, and a few of the, the books that talk about the end when the Lord returns and how God will deal with those who rejected him. That there is something called God's wrath. It's real. He said in Colossians, you used to walk in these ways. This is how you used to be before you came to Christ in the life you once lived. This is normal life for most people. Sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed. 
And though we may hide it in our society, if we were to look at the hearts of people, you would find these. This is what Rahab was like. She was just a normal person in the world. Verse 2 says, The king of Jericho was told, Look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. Obviously, these two spies were not very good spies. I mean, they barely get there and they stand out. And they're already noticed that they, they're there. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab. They even know where these spies went. I mean, someone was watching. They didn't do it very well. They didn't sneak into the city very well. They know they have gone where Rahab is. He says, Bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out our whole land. I'm not sure why they're asking her permission. They could have just kind of said, We're coming in, we're taking these guys. But they don't. But Rahab said, but the woman had taken the two men and hid them. And she said, uh, Yes, the, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. At dusk, when it was time to close the city gate, they left. I don't know which way they went. Go after, after them quickly. You may catch up with them. And so Rahab lies. Rahab in her normal, pagan kind of way, which most of, most of them would have done, when she doesn't want to tell the truth, she doesn't. She lies. It wasn't a big stretch for most of them. It isn't a big stretch for a lot of people today to lie. She has a reason to protect these two spies. We're going to find out really soon what that is. Why would she protect these two men who have come in? Why would, why would she care? Why would she put her own life at risk? Because if she's caught holding these two spies, she herself will probably be killed and probably her family. As soon as the pursuers had gone out, the gate was shut. So they went to pursue after these two spies. Now, before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof. This is where she had hid them, on the roof. She, she lives on the, on the wall. And she said to them, and then here's where we find out what Rahab's heart is all about. And why she lied, why she's not telling the city officials where these two spies are. I know that the Lord has given you this land. Wow. Word has spread. Word has spread. And that a great fear of you has fallen on us, so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. And she explains in the story how she, how they have all heard what Israel has done on the other side of the, of the Jordan. And how God has helped them defeat all these other enemies. And she said, I know that the Lord has given you this land. Can I put it another way? I believe the Lord has given you this land. Rahab, in her very simple way, believes in this God. She doesn't know much about the Lord. She knows him by, to say, Lord. She knows the name. She's heard about him. She knows that these people are, are his people he's leading through the desert. She doesn't know the word of God. There is no Bible written at this point, really. There's the, the law was given, the Ten Commands were given, but she, she has no idea of what that is. 
All she knows is what she's heard about God, and she believes. Her faith is really simple. Her faith is really simple. Romans chapter 1 describes how the, God's divine power and glory are clearly seen through creation, being understood through what is made. People are without excuse. People know there's a God. People know there's a God. You just look around. You look around the world. You look at creation. You say, there has to be a God. I know kids in, in, in schools and universities and, and all, most people now believe that everything came by evolution. It just kind of came along and it happened. But there's no excuse. Things are far too complicated to be chance. Far too intricate, intricately detailed and impossible to cre recreate. Creation is amazing. And so Rahab, the one person in the whole city, and perhaps her family with her, because they'll be saved too, are the only ones to express faith. I'm sure others could have if they had said, we believe. Just like that God spared the city of Nineveh when Jonah went there, when they repented. I'm sure if Jericho, if they had said, we know that the Lord has given you this land. We repent of our evil ways. We, we want to be part of this. Maybe may the Lord have mercy on us. I'm sure God would have shown mercy. But one person in the entire city expresses her faith. And I know that God knew this was going to happen. I know God knew her heart. God knows all our hearts. He knows the hearts of people. She says, Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that you will show kindness to my family because I have shown kindness to you. She says then, We have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea. That was a long time ago. That was many years ago. That was like 40 years before. For you, for you when you came out of Egypt. And what you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites, east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear, and everyone's courage failed because of you. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on the earth below. Wow. That was her conclusion. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. She had been influenced by so many false religious kind of views and, and divination and sorcery and all these things that were happening. And she came to the conclusion that that was nonsense compared to what she is seeing now with Israel and the God that is behind them. She came to true faith. And she acted. As we look the Bible study at the book of James, our faith is perfected through action. She's not being saved by keeping the law. She's not being saved by doing works. But her faith is demonstrated by what she does. She hides the spies and she sends the pursuers on their way. Her faith becomes real. And so they promise that she will be saved. They say, put a scarlet cord out your window so that when the walls come down, when, when we come and take over the city, it'll be a symbol that you are there, and you and your household, your family, will be saved. That scarlet cord is a reminder, maybe 
thinking back to Egypt, when they were leaving Egypt, and God tells them to put the blood of a lamb on top of their doorposts, that the angel of death would pass by that scarlet blood. And again, a foreshadow of Christ on the cross. Though our sins are like scarlet, they shall become white as snow. His blood shed for us. So Rahab the prostitute, it says in James chapter 2.25, Rahab the prostitute was considered righteous. She was considered righteous. Why? Because she was such a good person? Because she was so morally high and how she acted? No. Remember what her occupation was. Her over anybody else, but this her occupation was was very sinful. But she was considered righteous. She was by God seen as righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction. See, God doesn't look at you and I and say you're righteous because you're such a great person. He says you're righteous. Because you put your faith in my son. You believe in him. And his righteousness becomes your righteousness. It's imputed to us. It's put on our account. It's a great story for anyone who thinks they're too far away from God. That there's no way God could save me. You don't know, Dave, what I've done in my life. You don't know how I've lived my life. I don't. But I know how Rahab lived her life. And I know how I've lived my life and the sins of my life. And I know how gracious and merciful God is to her, was to her, and is to me. And so I'm saying to anyone watching this, you're never too far from God to turn back, to believe and say, God, I know I've lived this life I am repenting, I'm turning from it to you. And I believe that you can forgive me. You can wash away all my sins when I put my faith in Jesus who died for my sins. He took my sins on the cross. So she was considered righteous for what she did. And then chapter 6 of Joshua, this is the conclusion of the story. Verse 25 of chapter 6, But Rahab the prostitute and her father's household and all who belonged to her, Joshua saved alive. And she has lived in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy on Jericho. She had a new life. She had a new life. And God can give you a new life who come to him for your forgiveness. God can take your life and make it new and give you a new future. In fact, here's Rahab's future. It's, a, it's really an amazing story, really an amazing thought of where she ends up in history. Because in Matthew chapter 1, and as we approach Christmas, we understand how important this is. Here we find, here we find Rahab. It says, Solomon, the father of Boaz, the lineage of Jesus here. Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. 
Solomon, the father of Boaz, by Rahab. Only a few times in this genealogy are women mentioned. Rahab is one of them, and so is Ruth. And she would have gotten married to a guy named Solomon, who had a son named Boaz, and then Boaz would be the father of Obed by Ruth. And you would get down to Jesse, and you would get down to King David, and then eventually down this genealogy, we get down to Joseph, the husband of Mary, of whom was born Jesus, who is called Christ. God took Rahab, a woman whose life saw was horrible, who had who lived in a pagan society, who had no future, who we would have thought would be far gone and would not be worthy of being saved. That's how we think as human beings, right? And God would take her and make her part of the lineage of Jesus himself. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Acts chapter 17. From one man, Adam, God made all the nations. This is Paul talking. He's He's saying, he's saying how God reaches out to the world. From one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. Why did God do this? God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your poets have said, we are his offspring. Paul is making the point to those who had no sense or, or idea of Christ. He was, he was saying, God has the plan to put you where you are so that you will reach out to him. It is no accident that we live where we, we do right now and in the time we live. God knew exactly where you needed to be so that you perhaps would reach out to him and find him. And so a person like Rahab, will you think, in the middle of Jericho, with no church there, no messenger there, just fear of being destroyed, would, in her simple faith, God would see it and reach out to her and make sure she would be saved. That's the God we, we serve. That's the God we love. And so we want to finish this time together and invite you to sing.